All the saints, all the saints are the subject this morning and what they have in common. You know, saints aren't necessarily just those who appear in stained glass windows, aren't those who've led perfect or faultless lives. Saints, in a sense, are all of those, including you and me, who know and love and trust in Jesus Christ. And all of us have a few things in common. The first thing that every saint has in common, and I know this about every one of you because I know it about myself, is that we are needy in some way in our lives. We're needy in some way. We're, we're hurting. We're, we're, we're broken. We're sick. We're, we're mourning. And what does that mean? It means we lead complicated lives. Nothing is ever easy or smooth. My mother used to refer to life as a series of humps. So you just get over one, you think you're headed downhill, and life's going to be, and there's the next one. She was right. She was right. And I saw that in her life, even as I began to understand it about my own. Jesus spells this out profoundly. Doesn't he say that, that we are blessed, we're saints, when we're poor in spirit, when we mourn, when we're meek, when we're hungering, hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Those are the, those are the needs in our lives. And And Jesus tells us that when we need help, in other words, when we need him, we are blessed. I'll stop here, but do you get the point that that we are um, uh, needy people and that Jesus has come to answer that pain and that need, that hunger, that thirst, that, that sickness, that brokenness in our lives? Remember the very first words Jesus spoke in his ministry when he came back from being confronted by Satan in the wilderness. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The Spirit of God is upon me, Jesus said, because I've come in my ministry to be with you and to address the need in your life. So clearly in in his eyes, in his mind, the saints of God, those whom he came to enter into relationship with and to serve, are the community of those in pain and in need. Now, we tend to think of life as being pretty neatly and distinctively divided into times of need and other times of good fortune, but what you know if you've lived at least a few years is that those two aren't clearly distinguishable and that they they tend to overlap, that the times when we think things are going the very best, actually they're sort of falling apart. I mean, for the Bible, the Bible describes life as a mixed bag of both, of the good, the bad, the need, the joy. For everyone here, at some point today, there's something in your life that's going pretty well. Things are coming together. You're happy about where you are and where those you love are. But something else in your life is on thin ice. A uh, great theologian of the 20th century, Karl Barth, 
called it tragedy and the deep dichotomy of the human experience. My mother referred to it as going from one hump to the next. <laughs> For example, you finally got that impossible child of yours straightened out. Can you just, anybody identify with this? He finally came out of the terrible 20s and he's speaking to you again. But the doctor just found a spot on your lung. Or you just work things out and you're finally able to put your father in the right kind of assisted living and he's stable and seems happy and now you won't have to be involved 24 hours a day. Can anybody identify? And, but your daughter calls and tells you she's getting a divorce. Or it's going really great with your family. Ladies, you live with Mr. Rogers. Men, we live with Raquel Welch. <laughs> Our marriages are good, or reasonably good. We have good friends. But you found a pink slip on your chair when you showed up for work this morning. This is the thing about life. At times it can be, it can be overbearing. It, it, can, it can defy understanding. And you can be like the character in the novel Thanatos Syndrome by one of my favorite writers, Walker Percy who talked about Dr. Moore. Dr. Moore, his character, talked about the well-meaning elderly lady in, in his congregation, they were Catholic now, who kept sending him holy cards with saints' pictures on them saying, praying for you. <laughs> and Dr. Moore is always wondering exactly what it is she's praying for. Is she praying for his having done time in prison in Alabama? his drinking, his failing career, his wife's neglect of him, preferring duplicate bridge a whole lot more. There's so much need, you see, that he wonders just exactly what it is that Miss Ernestine is praying for. But you get the point, I hope. First of all, a saint, all saints, you and me, are members of a community of pain. But... Here comes the turn toward the gospel. But there's a second quality that the Bible also ascribes to all the saints. The Bible defines sainthood as possessing hope. Possessing hope. First, a saint is a member of a community of pain, a needy, a broken, a sick, a hurting individual. But second, all saints are members of a community of hope. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For they shall be satisfied. Rejoice in hope. Pain, after all, unlocks God's heart to give us hope. We know this from the earliest biblical narratives in, 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 in Exodus when, when, God, when, when, when God first comes to Moses and Moses first discovers the God of his ancestors. Here's what God says to Moses. He says, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I know their suffering. And I have come down 
to deliver now. I've seen your pain. I know your anxiety, your brokenness, your sickness, your desperation, your frustration. And I have come down to be with you, to release you from that brokenness in life and to restore you to wholeness with me, to bring you into the company of all the saints. We believe that the hope and the good news contained in this message is true. You know, people, people ask me from time to time, why it is I do what I do? And I can tell them that I, I love enjoying fancy silk garments. <laughs> I wouldn't tell them that. I could tell them that I love being addressed as bishop. I could tell them, and this is mostly true, that I have an excuse to bring my dog with me to church on Sunday. <laughs> but no. I don't do this for any of those reasons. I certainly don't do it for the glory, the work that Donovan and Lisa and Mark and I are engaged in. It used to be pretty high esteem and low stress, but that's reversed these days, folks, in case you haven't noticed. I do what I do. Your clergy do what they do because the message we have been called to share with you is true. Amen. Because the message is true and it is the bread of life. Amen. And in order to be released from the pain, the anxiety, the frustration, the sickness, in order to know that, that, that joy and that hope, which is Christ and His alone to give us, it must be proclaimed. I do what I do because Christianity is the truth. Otherwise, you can excuse me now. I'll take my dog and leave. If Christianity is objective truth, then there is no sin greater than forgiveness. If Christianity is true, there's no sin greater than forgiveness. There's no pain greater than hope. And we are indeed, as St. Paul said, more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So saints are people who are a community of pain and a community of hope. And what we find is that the long line of saints who went before us were just the same as we are. Our fathers and mothers, our grandfathers, our grandmothers struggled just as hard. Our sources of DNA all had a little tinge of sin, a little tinge of frustration, of sickness, of despair. They all knew death. They all came to know death. But they also having come to know and love and believe and trust in Jesus Christ, found hope. Not an illusory or, or fanciful, not the, stuff of, not the stuff of fiction, but real hope. So I conclude. We, we saints stand in a long succession 
of other people just like us. The Episcopal Church, the Anglican Communion, was filled with them too. You know, not long ago I was visiting a friend at an old church up in South Carolina. And they had to jack the church up to go in and restore the foundation. Pray that All Saints never needs to do that. But you know, in renovating the old church after they jacked it up, they discovered that it had been built partly over an ancient graveyard. And there were still old tombstones under the church. And among those tombstones under that church was the tombstone of the first rector of that church, going back to 1700s. This is what, this is what that tombstone said. In memory of the Reverend Matthew Tate, first American rector, first American rector of this congregation who was born again or converted in his 15th year and departed this life A.D. 1796, age 46. I began to cry. Born again, converted in his 15th year. Lived 31 more years. Knew and loved and trusted in Jesus Christ to spend his life and to die in that little South Carolina town, bringing others to know and love and trust Jesus Christ. He was called to serve all saints in their need and in their joy. And in his need and in his joy, he lived in God's service and died in the service of God and his people. This is what being part of the community of all the saints is all about. Be of good cheer. Remain engaged and caring and involved. Remain together in mission and ministry. And above all, share the gospel. Share the gospel and like old Mr. Tate, who died at age 46, be unafraid to share that good news. For that good news is at the very heart of what it means when we say we are all saints.